He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a rat. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 43 of A Good Talk Spoiled. I'm James Richardson, and I'm delighted to say I'm this week with Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. Hey, Bob. And a very, very suntan uh, Bobby Donnelly. How are you, Bobby? Hey, lads. How's it going? You well? Welcome back. Yeah, good to be back. Um just before we start and we get on to all things golf, um, thank you all for the feedback over the last seven days. We appreciate it. If anybody has any topics or any uh, comments you want to make in relation to the program, please get in touch with us on Twitter at PodcastGTS. We're at a good talk spoiled at gmail.com and um, we're also on Facebook. Um, so we start where we always start in our own game and... Uh, you and me, Barry, got blown well off the course at the weekend. Yeah, it was very windy. A uh, bit of a shock to the system. But uh, well, it was fun. Fun playing crazy shots that are turning miles in the air. So, But no no great scores to report from either of us. No, far What's, from it. What is the story? It's gone so windy. I left here about, about three weeks ago or two and a half weeks ago, and it was kind of warm. We were playing in shorts, and I come back, and the weather's just completely turned. I think... Uh, I think to give you the technical, Hurricane Gonzalez yeah, yeah, you has, brought that back with has you. Uh, blown across the Atlantic to us from the States and the Caribbean. So we got the tail end of it. And we certainly felt like we were playing a hurricane last week. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard way. enough to keep the balls not from oscillating off the green at times. But uh, yeah, we, we struggled uh, through. Four or five club wind and in parts. Anyway, so uh, it, was, it was fun. Listen, a portent of things to come this winter, I'm sure playing crazy shots in the wind. Yeah. Ray, you had a much more entertaining couple of weeks of golf than we did. Yeah, it was great. Now, I was in, uh, we were in Florida. Uh, we arrived into Orlando. Uh, we stayed one night there just to acclimatize and uh, just get, get used to it. Well, we, we have yeah, a, that that Bob heat. Donnelly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, we actually have a, a seven-month-old daughter, so it was more like getting her ready and off the flight and everything like that. So that was grand. We went to a place called Bradenton, and I stayed with... Uh, we stayed with friends of ours and we played. I played a good bit of golf there because um, the ladies went off, did their shopping, and we did our golfing. And one of the things, actually, I'll send it on to you, Barry, to post up is they had a fantastic driving range. It was a, co- a course called Stony Brook, and it was completely all water in the driving range. It was amazing. And But then there was island greens, like maybe about eight feet wide and eight feet long, kind of circles. And so you're hitting your eight irons and you're hitting, I was hitting a hybrid out to one that was 190 yards. And I thought it was a great way to practice, you know, it was really, really good fun. Um, we did a bit of a tour, went down southwest Florida, came back up uh, southeast Florida, played, stayed in a place called Boca Raton, nice resort there. Again, we did driving range, honestly, had a few balls. But then the last, towards the end, we went back to Orlando when we stayed in a place called uh, uh, the Grand Lakes Resort, Ritz Carlton Grand Lakes Resort. Um, yeah, yeah, you don't slum it at all, do you? It's all, yeah. it's all right, Bob. I'll pick up that name drop for you. <laughs> <laughs> and well, we've been good to ourselves for the last few nights, you know. But they again, like America, just do everything fantastic. The driving range is just top class, you know. On on free supply of golf balls on uh, on the range, you can just hit as many as you wanted and. They, but they, the cool thing they had is that they, again, it was another good idea for a driving range. 
they had two holes, 30 and 90 yards, or two flags that you tipped it. But what actually I didn't realize is that they had massive holes in them. So kind of, you know, could probably be maybe six feet wide holes. So they were big, kind of like buckets. So actually what it meant is if you know the way you normally finish off and you might do some chipping at the end, mm. you can actually try and chip 30 yards and try and get it into the hole. So it actually gave you a bit of a challenge to focus on, you know. How and many did you get in, Bob? With was, a six foot hole, how many did you actually manage? I was only playing with a 90 yard and I got zero. Um, <laughs> but it was going to be a long winter on the yeah, driving range, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I had a couple now that was, but of course I felt a bit sad on the range and hitting 90 yard shots towards this hole going, get in the hole! <laughs> and then people were going, okay, okay, look at me, but um, bloody Irish. <laughs> yeah, 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 getting overexcited. But we were, I practiced beside a couple, like, I, the standard of golfers in Orlando is just fantastic as well. Like, I, I mean, I felt embarrassed almost hitting balls. I was practicing beside uh, three golfers, and um, one of them was on. He's on one of the the mini tours in Orlando, and again, it was just out of this world how good he was. And then I went over to the chipping green. There was a lady called Jessica uh, Jesse Tang who was practicing on the uh, chipping green uh, pro, and she's on the Symmetra tour, which is the same tour that the ladies now on. They know the lady that re- replaced Holly Sanders on. Golf Channel. It's a secondary ladies tour. It's right yeah. below the LPGA. Yeah, I think, yeah. So as far as I know, that yeah. lady's won on Symmetric on the Symmetric tour, and this lady was on it. So, and of course, she was just like amazing. Every ball in the ninety yard hole. Yeah. yeah. Well, they were, she was just on the chipping green, so she was just it's hard to miss a six foot hole, isn't it? <laughs> I, I I think so. I mean, that's a massive target. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know. I didn't try the thirty yard one. I was just I said if I can. Is that because your that. confidence would be shot? Yeah. yeah <laughs> there is there is no upside to trying that. You no. know, because it's like it's like attempting three foot putts. You know, when you're gimmies. You know, because if you have a go and you miss it, yeah. it's just. So damaging to your psyche. Yeah. Just pick it up and go. I'm surprised Barry, uh, Bobby hasn't gone. Oh, geez, this isn't recording. We'll have to do this again, yeah. and it'll change. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got it. I, I hit. Not, I hit 50 balls. Got all of them in the six foot hole. It was brilliant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, what I didn't realize then, I went down and played the course on the Friday, and Jesus, first of all, as I was coming back to Ireland, uh, the weather was like. 26, 27 degrees, no wind. And I was like... You had you to acclimatize here for a day. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I came back, I was totally shocked when I came back. But all these holes that were on the range were all around the course. And I was asking the guy I was playing with, and he's like, oh, that's where if you if you hit it into water, that's the drop zone. And I was like, well, there's a flag with a big hole. I was like, that's a bit weird. I was playing with this Austrian guy. But anyway, we had a, a guy who came around and checked on us, and I asked him, and apparently they actually have foot golf there. And from 4 o'clock on, so it gets dark at 7, from 4 o'clock on... They closed the course and they had like they had soccer balls and everything in the clubhouse and you go out and you actually play foot golf. So it might be like one of the par threes was about one seventy and the hole was I'd say about seventy yards short. So I don't know what how that worked, whether a hundred yards, whether it would be yeah, would yeah. it be a par three as well, maybe if you were kicking football like I think it would be quite hard to kick it that far, but they had all these holes all around the course and all dotted. So what they do is they give them go give them the proper carts. You take out your football, off you go, and you play fuck off. And they, they actually had a tournament, I didn't get to see it now. but It's obviously a variation to the idea of the, the, the frisbee golf. Just yeah, golf, you know, where yeah, they, yeah. They play with the frisbee. It's a good idea, it maximises, I suppose, uh, for people who might be staying in the resort that aren't golfers. Yeah. It'd be a crack with a few, you know, younger it's a kids different or whatever. take, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, You'd I, still be shit at it, though, Barry. Bunker shots would <laughs> be a bit easier. <laughs> yes, that's true. You'd yeah. probably just sky to the right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just shank it with your right foot. <laughs> That'd be terrible. Yeah. So here, I want to jump back to the that driving range, the water one. I think mm. the thing that really fascinated me the most was that the golf balls were floating golf balls. Yeah, yeah. And they still went because I actually said to a pal of mine today who lived in Florida, and the balls still go the proper distance. And if anything, they might even go better distances than 
the normal driving range balls. So I don't know how they're. Well, I they're guess done. that because you were saying you were hitting your uh, hybrid 190. You never hit your hybrid 190 here. So uh, uh, excuse it must me. Have been, uh, <laughs> excuse me. It must have been something in those golf balls. Um, but no, no. Like one of the flags was 135, and like I was hitting the eight iron to that, and I was hitting it, which I would hit here. And it was they were actually very reliable balls. And a couple of times, you know, when you really crack one, it yeah. did go a bit longer. So I actually think it was it was quite it's a great idea for our ranges here. You know, the ranges are. Sometimes finding well it's quite expensive to, you know, keep make the ground, keep the yeah. ground, keep the grass. I don't know whether it be an option, you know, but might be a lot of water. It'd be a great novelty thing anyway. If but, and we're and we're not short of water anyway, aren't? Well, not at all. And you've got the option of moving the greens. You got floating greens, then effectively yeah. you can yeah. move the targets. That's it's a really interesting idea. But even as well, there was all little small things that one of the ranges I was at had a, a just a little bucket behind the range, I, like. Um, you know, like the things you use to clean your balls on the... The ball washer things. Ball washer yeah. They actually had club ones. So yeah, just, uh, lovely, so yeah. After practicing for yeah. 30, 40 minutes, hit an eight iron or whatever, you just go over and you dip your club in and it cleans. And t- actually, two of the ranges I was at had that. And that is something to me is so basic. Hmm. I don't know whether why ranges in Ireland don't have it, you know? Yeah, but that's because in America, they just think of these things. But in Ireland, you get a field and a bucket of golf balls and you just get on with it. And yeah. You'd be lucky if the 40 or 50 yard marker is actually at 50 yards. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's, and you're lucky if you don't have to go and put the balls up yourself. But is that not why you get married? <laughs> oh, there goes all, there goes our last female listener. God. <laughs> But um, no, I must say, I, they, and I agree with you what you're saying about America. They just do everything fantastic, and there's so many little small things like that, you know. That, that Especially in Florida, I, I played in Florida years ago, and uh, like I remember playing. I think I played in the Walt Disney uh, golf course, and like all their bunkers were shaped as Mickey Mouse heads, and they were shaped as like you know all the characters. Yeah. So like you can see it from if and if anybody is actually bothered, go on to um, Google Earth, and you can see it from above. Yeah. You can see all the the. the you know, around the greens is like Mickey Mouse here, yeah. uh, bunkers and stuff. It's just, and but they just think that through, you know, like yeah. it's just, it's, it's just another world. Yeah. Um, they used to play that tournament, uh, one of the PGA Tour tournaments at the Disney Resort. And I remember one of the bunkers mm. on the actual course that they played on was a Mickey Mouse shaped one of the ears and the head. Might be the same, might be the same one, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, nice. Well, Welcome back. Thanks. Good to be back. <laughs> Thanks for bringing the 27 degrees uh, sunshine yeah. with you. I only yeah. brought the wind. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's not unusual. The, um, <laughs> anyway, we, we're going to leave that before I get very depressed. We're looking out the window and it looks slightly like it's about to start lashing from the heavens again. So the uh, rules related question, we didn't have one last week because um, Alan wasn't here and he was incognito. So... Um, this week, I've gone with a very straightforward question, <laughs> and it's a yes-no answer. And the question is, and it's again for anybody who's uh, interested, it's coming from the decisions book. And the question is, Barry, and you're leading, I think, by two, isn't that correct? Yeah. Two. So you go first. A player's ball strikes a rock and bounces further away from the hole than the spot from which the stroke was played. The player deems the ball unplayable. May the player invoke the stroke and distance option of Rule 28 in those circumstances? Yes or no? <coughs> well, I'm going to go with my intimate knowledge of the rules of golf. and I'm going to say no. I think it's unfair that he gets to go back closer to the hole than where his ball is finished. So I'm going to no. And Alan, who isn't, as you all know, isn't with us, he has gone... Just basically, I think, on the basis he didn't have a clue, so he just said, whatever Barry says, I'm just going to have to say the opposite, <laughs> and he's gone with yes. 
And the Can't answer fault that logic at all. Well, that's true. The answer is in fact yes. So uh, it's narrowed to one. And I'd love to give a really long description of what this answer is. But in Rule Twenty Eight Eight of the Decision Book, after that long question, the answer is yes. <laughs> that's, that's the extent. Well, I think the the just the confusing part is stroke and distance, and I think this is where stroke and distance really is where if you hit it out of bounds and you go up and you you find you're trying to find your ball and you say, oh, actually, it is out of bounds. Stroke and distance really allows you to go back and put it back as nearest point to where you could. And I think what this question is asking is if you obviously hit it, it hits the, the rock and goes 100 yards past, are you allowed to clear an play and go back to the original spot? Which you, I had heard this rule before because I'd heard in a particular example that if someone has a four-foot putt that's a downhill and a really quick green and they put it, misses the hole, rolls off and goes into a bunker and they go, like let's say the road hole bunker in St. Andrews, and you go, there's no way I'm going to get that up and down. You can actually take an unplayable from the from from the bunker and actually go back to that spot where you were sort of four footer and say, I fancy my chances of getting this four footer with a penalty shot yeah, rather yeah. than being in, a, being in a bunker. I think I think one of the rules you were saying, James, off air was that if it goes into a water, you're not allowed to invoke this rule. But no, that's yeah, no, it has you're to. Onto the water hazard rules. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. The, rule twenty eight, which is ball unplayable, and it's actually probably like all of these rules that none of us really know. It's probably worth having a read, but. It does say the player may deem his ball unplayable at any place on the course except when the ball is in a water hazard. The player is the sole judge as to whether his ball is unplayable. And if the player deems his ball to be unplayable, he must under penalty of one stroke. And then there's a couple of options. And that's going back to the original space. And I think the way that you read it as stroke and distance Mm. is actually probably misleading. It's you take your penalty, which is the stroke, and you can go back to the original bit, yeah. uh, original place, which is the distance. Yeah. But um, well, there's one good thing that's come out of this that you know we've really figured out that the rules golf are very simple, you know, easy for everyone <laughs> to understand and get through. And another lawyer on the team, and, and he's the best still investment bit, is the decisions book. Oh as my well, god, it's uh, a beast. Yeah, it's uh, certainly one for the hardcore golfer. Well, it, it, but that's a handy one to know now. That is, especially if I slam a four foot putt off a green into a bunker in the future. Yeah, and I'd say I'd say it would lead to a lot of arguments on the course because you'd probably want to be able to say to somebody, "Here, look yeah. at Rule Twenty Eight. I'm right in what I'm saying." Because I It'd could be see amazing. somebody turning around. It'd be and amazing saying, to that, though, wouldn't it? You put it off the green, rolls off down, and you go, "I'm actually going to put it back here for a penalty." And they're like, "Oh, yeah. what are you doing?" And you go, "Rule Twenty Eight, actually. Rule Twenty Eight. <laughs> look it up. Do you not know yeah, the rules? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. walk off. Don't even. Don't even. Just go. It's in the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the sole judge. I think yeah. you'll find." Uh, so uh, look, that's that that's means you're now back to uh, only one in the distance, and Ooh, we'll do the catch up question next week. Then well, I was going to say, Alan, hopefully, will be back with us next week, so we yeah. might do a double, either a double pointer or two two rules Ooh, or something. We might we might see. We'll let Alan have the choice because he's behind. If he wants a double yeah. pointer or two questions, oh, that'll be all or nothing, really. Ooh. <laughs> Well, I might just ask you, like, for somebody to explain Rule 28. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, let's get off the rules because this is horrible. Alan's on a run. Right, so that's rules. So back onto news. And uh, I suppose the starting place is Rory's decision not to play the final, uh, not to play again till the final race of Dubai. And Barry, I think you were having a look at this for uh, the listeners. What's this story all about? Yeah, so this this goes back to his... uh the ongoing battle with uh, Horizon Sports is a previous management company and well they tried to go to they did go to mediation last weekend and unfortunately they didn't come to a resolution so there will be a court case and they anticipate that he might be on the stand for uh, anything up to two weeks 
So as a result of that, he'll be skipping the BMW Masters and the WGC HSBC Champions event. So uh, he will be back for the DP World Tour Championship. And well, they, they, they suggested he's going to be actually physically giving evidence for the two weeks, or is mm-hmm. it that he'll be... Yeah, could be, which is... That, that's uh, a lot of lawyers who just want to be able to say that they uh, they, they cross-examine the world number one in golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they prefer, actually prefer to just to try to take him on on the golf course instead. It'd be much more entertaining. But anyway, yeah, so it's um, oh, it's messy. Like, Obviously, there's, there's multiple parties involved in this, and they all want to get their outcome, so that's why the mediation failed. Can I put my cynical hat on again here? Um, I think that there was obviously a big thing made last year that all the players had to play, was it two of the three final events? And they've obviously obviously removed that stipulation based on the feedback from last year. And I think McElroy probably feels that he's obliged to play um, in the, the BMW Masters and the WGC because he's world number one and he's committed to the European Tour. And I wonder if this is a little easy excuse for him to get out of it. He's obviously he's going to win the order merit. I, I don't. Nobody can catch him. I think it's almost impossible. Yeah. yeah. So I think he just needs to turn up in Dubai. And I think he's turning up in Dubai, collect all the money for the race in Dubai, the bonuses that go out, and go. Thank you very much. And he's using this as an excuse to kind of go. I don't really want to play those events, you know. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I wonder how much preparation he's actually undertaking. Uh, maybe that's why he's been seen around town with um, Meghan Markle out of uh, Suits, the legal drama in America. Maybe she's helping him with his briefs. But um, <laughs> in in relation to it, I, I I I don't think it's the end of the road in relation to the mediation. I think that may have come to this end, but okay. I'm sure that they'll continue to talk. Like, they might, yeah, you know, they might come up with a solution in the interim. They may be in a narrowing of a lot of issues over the course of the mediation, which may have focused a lot of the minds that might actually lead to resolution. So. Look, it's it's one that's going to run and run, and it's going to be certainly aired out in public. Um, I have no insights on this. I have no insights at all on this, but I think it's two very stubborn people. I think Horizon. My own personal view is that Horizon feel they have a very strong case that he signed two contracts, and I think McElroy and his team are very stubborn. They probably feel that they have a good, um, a good. They might see that they have some legal angle, and you be our legal expert in this, James. But maybe they have an angle. And they're going, listen, guys, you're not getting your money. We're going to court on this. Yeah, sometimes, look, egos play such yeah. a huge part in these things. And you can you can have a slam dunk of a case, but there might be one issue. And that issue is just so embedded that there's just no... And maybe it's a case of neither of them are wanting to back down now. And they'd rather a judge actually yeah. go and spend the millions on letting a judge decide. When in actual fact, they'd rather that than say, you know what, let's shake hands, let's walk away. You yeah. do this, I'll mm-hmm. do that, and mm-hmm. we just mm-hmm. move on. The only winners out of this are the lawyers, really. Well, I don't know about that, but like certainly, you know, who knows who the winner is, and it's certainly not going to be Rory, and it's certainly not going to be a rise, and it's going to be a nasty and dirty fight, yeah. um, and it's going to be done with the glare of the media. But, but anyway, it's going to be very exciting for all of us. It really will. <laughs> Talking about uh, airing dirty laundry in public, um, Ian Poulter's new autobiography is due out at the end of this month, and I'm sure between... Um, Roy Keane and various other autobiographies it's going to find its way under the Christmas tree This uh, for most players or most fans he left a chapter free for the end to deal with the Ryder Cup and Bobby you've been looking at 
the fallout of Nick Faldo's comments um, about Sergio in respect to this. Yeah, I know you're a big Nick Faldo fan, so you might need to cover your ears on this one, uh, right. James. But um, yeah, so Poulter kind of basically had a bit of a lash out at him. In his book, he he these are the things that he says. He says, Sergio puts a brave face on it, but the rest of the guys are fuming. So the rest of the Ryder Cup team. Because I'm shocked that he has said it. It's highly disrespectful. It's a cheap shot, and it's the worst possible timing. It makes me laugh. Faldo's talking about someone being useless at the 2008 Ryder Cup. That's the Ryder Cup where he was captain. That's the Ryder Cup where the Europe team suffered a heavy defeat. And he was captain, so he was useless. And he said Faldo might need to have a little look in the mirror. And he goes on then to try and kind of say, well, I, 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 uh, I you know, I got on great in the past. I have a great deal of respect for it he's achieved. But it feels like Sarah Graves. Well, I'm going to take your cynical hat. And I'm going to put it on my head for the moment. <laughs> and I can appreciate the point that Poulter is making and it was a cheap shot by Faldo and I, I think I said it on the show mm. a couple of weeks ago it was unnecessary and for a guy who's so highly regarded within the European Tour and a lot of these guys like Poulter and Luke Donald would have come through with a lot of his help back in the day and he is his foundation and all the rest but my cynical belief is Poulter's fairly uninteresting is this, you know, is there anything, if this wasn't in the book, would we actually be talking about Ian Poulter's autobiography? I completely agree with you. I think this is this is basically a story used to sell a few books. I think he's definitely jumped on that, you know, so there's, there's no doubt about it. Do you think Nick Faldo has a percentage of the book if they're working together? No. Mm, I, don't, I don't think Faldo's <laughs> that clever. I think Faldo has enough uh, books out in his time, but... Uh, and actually, interesting, when we're talking about Poulter, before we move on, um, we were actually going to discuss about the fact that he's leaving Puma and Cobra, so he's with them for eight years, and uh, there was a lot of speculation the last couple of weeks as to where he's going to go, uh, which, which manufacturer is going to take up, but apparently uh, Puma, Cobra, and Poulter couldn't agree terms to extend the contract, so they decided, well, listen, they go their separate ways. And it's just been announced live mm-hmm. on the air, um, just only in the last... Yeah, uh, Ian gave us a call. Yeah, he <laughs> said... Exclusive. Stop giving out about Through his Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, and he said he's seriously pleased to announce that he'll be a full-staff, titleist and foot-choice staff player for the 2015 season. So excited, that's what he said on Twitter. Full-staff, does that mean he... What, the question I have now is his clothing line... Because he wears, he doesn't have shoes in his clothing line, but he's all the, all the other gear. So will he, I wonder whether he'll be wearing Footjoy clothing or not. Well, I think that's what he's tweeted at Footjoy, so I'd say he will. Because his, his golfing line, IJP, doesn't have golf shoes. Mm. It's only clothes. And I think that was the, one of the problems. If let's say he wanted to go someone like Nike, Nike insists that you wear their clothes. He had a, he had tweeted about a week ago or maybe a bit more that he ha- he was really happy with the new Pro One X ball and he had signed a new deal with them. So there was a lot of speculation linking him with Titus based on the fact that he was committed to the ball. And had he gone to someone like TaylorMade, he might have had to use their ball like Justin Rose does. Yeah, so so he was ruled out from TaylorMade. Um, but in the end, it looks like he's gone. Did he kind of lose some bargaining power by doing that then? Possibly, yeah, possibly. It could have been in the pipeline, of course. Yeah. A lot of these deals are going to be six months down the line being negotiated by mm-hmm. these guys uh, and agents. Can I just ask, though, um, my own view is, is it actually newsworthy insofar as, is he a big enough player in World Golf to actually, like, if Jason Duffner was changing to another maker, would we care? Um, or is it just the top, top guys like your Tiger or your, your Rory's that actually make a difference when, when this matters. happens? 
I think it matters. Poulter's a big player in European terms, and for us then as Europeans, mm-hmm. I think I think it matters quite a lot. I mean, interesting that he, he used to play Titus clubs when he was younger. So I mean, it might be a little kind of catalyst for him getting back to some decent performances and um, well all around now because he's been off the boil the and last year. And of course, bit. Ian Poulter is more known for his great exploits as Mr. Ryder Cup at the one event that they don't really do any sponsorship. <laughs> the yeah. bag is non-sponsored uh, non, mm. non, non, uh, and all the rest. So, look, that's interesting. That's great that we've... Uh, that's first in the nation, I'd say. First in the world podcast. First, uh, first podcast. Uh, exclusive. Exclusive yeah. on this and this alone. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they'll all be playing catch-up with us. Uh, Tiger Woods is not uh, playing catch-up. He is now back hitting golf balls. Mm-hmm. Um he says that he feels pretty good and that he's planning to return at his own event um, in December. Now, I think that probably indicates that he's on course because when he left, he said that he was indicating that he would probably start hitting balls around this time. So mm. he's clearly on target that, that the back and everything is, has sorted itself out and that he'll be back for his own event. And um, Whether he continues to play thereafter will be interesting or whether he'll take another sabbatical for another couple of months but Bobby you might have uh, more yeah. exclusive news uh, well actually it's interesting to say that because he normally plays something like the Abu Dhabi Championship in mid-January and I think we mentioned this before actually in previous podcasts it's actually a lot of people go over to it because it's a great tournament to visit because there isn't huge crowds but Tiger normally plays the Abu Dhabi Championship or sometimes he might go for the Dubai Desert Classic and the organisers of both these championships have have indicated they will not be shelling out the estimated two to three million dollars appearance fee to, that it pays to Tiger. So Tiger's stock on the European tour, or at least in Dubai, anyway, seems to be waning uh, waning a bit. But just in case you were worried that um, that he isn't getting kind of you know that he might become poor or something like that, he it was reported that uh, he was expected to receive four million dollars for playing in the America's Golf Cup in Buenos Aires and that was actually meant to be on this month and he was also offered another four million dollars for playing in two one-day corporate events in China so he there still is his his stock is still high elsewhere but he turned down both of those events just for his uh, his, his recovery which in fairness is good news for all the people in Las Vegas where he spends most of his money in the uh, casino <laughs> so uh, they'll be rolling out the high roller table again for him and possibly on the <laughs> ladies in Vegas as well <laughs> <laughs> Talking about uh, ladies and uh, throwing their prams out of uh, toys out of the pram, Ian Rusum isn't happy with the Mark O'Meara and Laura Davis uh, being put into the Golf Hall of Fame. This happened last week. Um, not a happy camper at all. Is he justified? I think I was actually talking about this to one of the lads today. Oh, I thought you were about to say we were <laughs> talking <laughs> to Ian about no, it. No. Like, yeah, this is another exclusive. Another exclusive. <laughs> no, like I think Rusum deserves. Uh, to be in the Hall of Fame, he, he won the Masters. Obviously, he was a winning Ryder Cup captain, but crucially, he was world number one. And I think the world number one part, because obviously, you, the likes of Sean McKeel, maybe and Rich Beam, who won one major, they don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Mark O'Meara won two. Yeah, and there's another guy, David Graham, was announced today, an Australian golfer. Yeah, he has that. also won two majors. So I don't know whether that's criteria. Laura Davies obviously is, is a multiple major winner, but I think that. I think Woozy deserves it, but I think now in the last couple of uh, the last couple of weeks, we have. I think we, we know. I think with all the talk from Wisdom, I think that he. Uh, I think he's probably talked himself out of this a bit. You know. Yeah, I, I think it was probably 
either working on the basis of shaking somebody up to get them to, to nominate, but I think uh, self-praise is no praise, Ian, so perhaps... Yeah, well, uh, I'd say the old journalists are probably prodding him as well, going, listen to what you think about it, and he is quite sore about it, you know, so... but Other people who are quite sore is uh, Barry and not having a full European tour schedule. <laughs> Barry, yeah. what, what is happening here, and why are they not listening to you? I don't know, it's like a bunch of amateurs. It's like they get the interns to sort out the European tour schedule. So they've announced the first... A third of the season, I guess, up until as far as this tournament they call the Masters, taking place at Augusta National Golf Club. Some of you might know it. And um, a couple of new events on in Thailand and in India, um, the Thailand Classic and the Hero Indian Open. They're on in the middle of February. The Indian Open doesn't even have a venue yet, so kind of backs up the whole shit show that this seems to be in their organisation of getting. Getting the tour sorted, you know, players make their plans for where they're going to play a long time in advance. The PGA Tour schedule has been out for weeks and weeks now, and players are going to be starting to look at where am I going to play, and the big guys are going to be looking at playing, you know, pick, they'll pick their tournaments further in advance, and the PGA Tour has a jump on the European Tour as a result of it. I think the European Tour loses out. And that's probably for really for the players in the top 20 who would have... You know, the guys down yeah. the line really are stuck or whatever the European tour puts forward. They're not going to have the opportunity to, to jump back in across the pond. But Do you think, though, that maybe the likes, let's say McElroy and let's say when we talk about Poulter and possibly the GMAC might just take us three guys. Mm. Do you think, though, they're only going to really plan at what they're doing up to the Masters at this stage of the year? I think they have the whole year planned by this stage. Yeah. Or as close as, I mean, the bigger, I think so, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say very little chops between, they might make one or two week adjustments here and there throughout the season, you know, depending on how things are progressing. If they're tired, they get an injury. But um, certainly, I, I, if I was playing on tour, I'd like my year planned out as as rigidly as possible, well, as, as nicely as possible, yeah. have my calendar and know what I'm doing. Um, so you just remember to think McElroy last year started changing his schedule based on how he was playing. Mm. So that's why I wonder would they still like would they say well, listen at this point of the year well first of all I'm going to have a bit of downtime but then really what I want to do is I want to be peaking for Augusta and I, I would yeah. have thought that's what everyone's peaking because once you, if you peak for Augusta well then your game's there your game's ready for whatever that event is in May is one of the WGCs in Doral I think it is and then yeah correct yeah and then there's obviously the USO I was going to say the Open there just to annoy you Barry <laughs> in, in June and then because of the British Open in July so I I do agree. I think they should have a full schedule out at this stage, though. I think they should have a full schedule, but I I think for the big big players, the Rory's, they'll pick into like they, if if Rory picks up the phone in six months' time and says I'd like to come and play in the West Indies Open, they're going to find yeah. a spot for him, whether he he knows that six months in advance or not. He's going to fit his schedule. It is on the second tier or second category of players. Uh, it doesn't help. Also, we know when the Irish Open's on, so like. McElroy is going to play that. I think that's isn't yeah. that in May or I think I, it's the last week of May. Or I think like yeah, I think like like you say, some events do and can announce it themselves in advance, yeah. so you you can see bits and pieces of the rest of the season being mapped out. But I think where the European Tour will lose out is the lesser events that will get the mid-range players. They lose that kind of mid-range star power they have that they can they can utilize that in marketing the event and selling tickets to the yeah. event and building it up with the profile of the event. And um, I look, I just. I've made my point on it. Like, I think yeah. they need to get their ass in gear and get a full schedule yeah. well, out earlier. Keep, if you keep poking them on Facebook, they might uh, they might waken up. That's the thing, yeah. Um, do that. Moving on then, looking back for last week, um, the Volvo ma- Match Play Tournament uh, held in the London Golf Club 
Finland's Mikko Ilonen defeated the world number five Henrik Stenson three and one, which probably means Barry still is crying at the moment in relation <laughs> to that. And the interesting bit that ties this event with the winner in America, Ben Martin, is both of them have what could only be described as bastardized uh, golf bags. They really don't have one <laughs> straightforward um, set of clubs. Barry, you've looked before we get into the match play. You've looked at Mikko Ilonen's bag and uh, you can just tell the listeners what's actually in it uh, Miko's bag is a uh, yeah it's okay let's well I'm just going to go straight from the top so he has a tailor made SLDR 10.5 degree driver I'm not going to go into the shaft because they're just all over the place as well he has Callaway X-Hot 3 wood and hybrid he has Titleist 712U which are the utility irons uh, he has 3 and 4 irons in those they're quite heavy muscle-backed irons really bomb the ball long you would have seen a lot of the players use them on uh, Lynx courses last year in the Open Championship hit the ball low and long he then has Titleist AP2 714s they're the new model from 5 through to pitching wedge yeah yeah Bob, I think Bob has those yeah. I actually go 5 to wedge as well oh yeah, yeah. Is, your wedge <laughs> is your wedge a 48 degree as well yeah uh, 50. No, I'm just that's uh, that's that, that's where the uh, the, the comparison very much ends. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Miko's got blonde hair and you don't. Um, Your tans yeah. are very similar, though. Uh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Back to the club. So he has a Cleveland 588 RTX wedges. They're 54 and 60 degree. And finally, uh, he has an Odyssey Versa number one putter, which is kind of a classical looking putter. And he's gone for the black white black option. It looks like a a zebra on the ground kind of uh, to align it up and I also have a very similar putter to that as well it's yeah. not about you Bobby it's, it's not about it's you seven Mikko <laughs> we're like one we're going to start a petition to get you into the Volvo World Ma- sorry just the World Match Play Championship next year because Volvo have actually stopped sponsoring it so okay. it's a tournament that might not exist next year if they don't get a title sponsor and he plays a Pro V1X golf ball Okay. So uh, fair play to me he, he played he and played. he doesn't have a sponsor on the bag either does he it's just white I think Oh, uh, I I'll have to check a, that. I think he has a white bag. I don't think he's. I only have so much time. I mean, he's probably got a mixed bag as well. <laughs> Is this because you you would have known that answer if it wasn't the fact that you were drooling over Henrik Stenson all weekend? But yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's a fair play to Miko. He actually. Let's get on to talking about his yeah, performance. Yeah, bogey, bogey-free final round. Um, really dominated Henrik Stenson. Like Henrik wasn't really there at all over the course of the the, the final. No, um, I saw like a little Henrik's post-round interview and he said he was kind of battling a swing for the last couple of days and the wind kind of caught up with him and um, he said it ran, ran out of steam but you know, it's e- it's easy to kind of focus on your negatives when somebody's played so well as as Ilanen did in that wind on the Sunday, it was very heavy wind. I only caught a small bit of it, I saw a bit of the highlights from when I got back and Stenson seemed to be missing a lot of greens, he was getting his line right but his disc control really seemed to be off. Mm, it, the wind was quite heavy, I watched a substantial amount of this event because I, I love watching match did. play <laughs> and I, I was actually, I must say that I was really impressed with the golf course and as were all the commentators, they were singing its praises all week long. It was a brilliant match play golf course. There were five par fives, three of which were in the last six holes of the event. Cool. And they had um, par, short par fours that they manipulated, depending on the round, into drivable par fours. Yeah. You know, So it was... It was just—it was a wonderful course for match play. Lots of drama and excitement, and um, it was an absolute birdie fest until the weekend when the wind picked up. So uh, I, I really enjoyed watching it. Cool. It, it's hard to probably say that he didn't deserve it. He beat pa- Paolo Larasabal, L- L- yep. uh, six and five, and then Joss Luton, who I think came 
third, third yeah. in the end, uh, beat George Cortez in uh, South African in the first playoff in the, the third, fourth place playoff. He he had to beat quite a few guys who were in form between Graham McDowell, Alexander Levy, Paolo, just and then Henrik Stenson. Like he didn't do it the easy way. He didn't get all the the, the easy side of the draw by any stretch. No, no. Um, listen, it was a quality performance, and it was a pretty high quality field. It'd be great to see a couple more Americans brought into it to kind of build up the profile of the event and maybe move it to a better time of year than October. It's kind of a dead part of the year, you know. Just the new PGA Tour season kicking off, the European Tour season's wrapping up. Get it earlier in the year, I think maybe like April, May time, if you can, somewhere fit it in. The only thing about it is it is very useful world ranking points. Like Illman's jumped to 37th. Yeah. Uh, for Lowry, Lowry was 53rd going into it. And had he made maybe something like the quarterfinals or semis, it would have been a very useful jump for him to get into that yeah. elusive top 50. So that's the only thing is it's quite useful for the European, for the kind of the second rank European players to try and move up a bit in the world rankings. Yeah. So that's where it might serve a bit of benefit. Well, talking about second-ranked players and possibly even going below that, um, with all due respect to them, the Hong Kong Open at the Hong Kong Golf Club was also held at the weekend. And Scott Hand, an Australian, uh, won his maiden European Tour victory after a long battle with Anga, uh, Angelo Q, I think is how you say it. They couldn't be separated after 72 holes, and they went back to the 18th, where Q missed the green left himself an appalling chip shot and a long way for his played an appalling chip shot well, sorry oh. played an appalling chip shot and then left himself a very long par putt um, Scott Hand won it by powering out on the last but really I want to just touch on one thing about this event Kevin Phelan and we're going to be slightly parochial here and look at, yeah. at him mm. um, minus 11 going into the week he was 152nd in the race to Dubai. He needs to be in the top 110 to be guaranteed his tour card for next year. He birdied the last three holes to finish with a final round of 66 to end up set, well third in the end at minus 11, two shots behind. He needs a good win or he needs a good uh, prize haul this week. I think he needs about 65,000 and hope mm. that nobody above him moves up in the rankings. And it's it. It's probably a little too little too late for him. Is that fair to say? Or uh, the stats would probably say so. But look, if there's, there's still a chance, he's got to you know if he's playing well, riding a bit of a wave, he could go down and grab you know grab grab his tour cards you know this week. I think he needs third place. But fourth, fourth this week. Oh, oh that's fourth. good. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, fourth's an awful lot easier to achieve than third. So this um, is the Perth International, isn't it? Which we'll come on to in a minute. Yeah, but I mean. We might get into it a little bit later on, you know, how you get into the tour, tour card and tour school um, in a little bit of time. So, um, but look, it was a great performance and, you know, hopefully it runs well this week. And um, I want to talk about the you know, US tour, PGA tour this week. Well, let's let's move on then. The Shriners Hospital for Children Open. Uh, ben Martin continued his early 2015 season form. Um, after a good finish at the Fries.com last week, he won by two shots ahead of Kevin Streelman. He started the final round with the 58-hole lead, which is the first time in his career he did that, and he shot a fairly comfortable 68 to win the the, the event and take the one million pound uh, dollar prize. Um, we tipped up Russell Knox last week, and he just fell short. But was Ben Martin just too good for everybody this week? That was that was your shave, Russell Knox. It was a great shave. I hope some hope some of our listeners got a punt on. Yeah, Martin was uh, he was brilliant. He said that he didn't look at a leaderboard all day long, and um, 
really pulled it out of the bag when he needed to. He was he got caught, uh, drove the drivable fifteenth, made birdie, made an eagle on sixteen after seeing Knox's uh, eagle attempt on a similar line, uh, part seventeen, and then birdied eighteen. He had he had two putts for the win, and he drained the twenty footer, nice uh, sloping left right twenty footer, and got his win. So uh, yeah, came out of nowhere, rolled the dice in Vegas and won. So fair play to him. I think you were actually similar. You were mentioning he kind of has a bit of an eclectic golf bag as well, doesn't he? He has pings and and titleist, and he's quite the he is the old driver. He has the nine ten. He's the nine ten. Yeah, he's most yeah. pretty much everything titleist bars three wood, which is a ping I twenty five. Yeah. But yeah, certainly he's kind of got some old school titleist gears with the nine ten. So it means he either tried the nine thirteen on the nine fifteen and hasn't switched them yet. Mm. And he's also got the previous model of the CB, which are the cavity back blades. So, um, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Look, he's found something that works for him, so why, why yeah, change it, you know? Well, I know Spieth was, when we talked about this previously, that Spieth was playing the 910 driver and he broke it. Uh, I think it was at the Players this mm. year. I think it was Players in May. And he hasn't been able to replace it since. He hasn't been able to find the right combination of shaft and, let's say, either of the new 915s. So, I mean, these guys obviously need a particular combination. Uh, and so maybe I'd say Martin just doesn't want to change away from that. If it ain't broke, don't fix you know. Yeah. Don't don't fix it. It's a fair play to him. Um, somebody who actually came back into form, and I, I just wanted to mention it because I just think it's hilarious. That Webb Simpson seems to have found Ryder Cup form well after the Ryder Cup <laughs> event. Uh, Kevin Na, and um, this is going to be important for people who are dealing with the top two hundred competitors. Kevin Na withdrew from the event, which must disappoint a few people uh, Bobby and you've been looking at the top 200 yeah there hasn't been much movement this week now from last week uh, Kev Coughlin and uh, our own Alan Donnelly uh, delightfully for all of us and sadly for them uh, Kevin now withdrew but didn't really excuse me didn't really have much impact in fact there hasn't been really much movement at all this week the only one person to gain uh, any sort of uh, spots this week was Matt Ward who moved who gained one point so he went from 211 to 210 that means that he's just edged ahead of myself. So let's say the top five at the moment is Martin Saccombe, who was who was leading last week. Uh, James English, uh, he's on 208. Martin's on 205. Matt Ward's on 210. I'm on 212. And then a bit of gap opening up to Shane McKiernan, who's on 229. And then the rest are 267 and higher than that. So I know Martin's been on to us a good bit on Twitter, mm. and he's getting quite excited. Um, so I think, he, I think he's been making uh, regular calls to Robert Carson just to kind of keep him uh, keep giving him positive I attitude. I think he has him on speed dial one yeah. now. Yeah, 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 picking up the red telephone. But he has, in fairness to Martin, he has been good. He's invited yeah. Robert Carson to play Carton House. Oh, well, that's when generous. He wins. So, that's, so he, ha- he is looking I, after I think him. we got a side invite as well. We, we yeah. might not get in the helicopter ride, but you know we can just drive up to Carton House yeah. and join yeah. him for the we'll, day. We'll see him there anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. So not much movement. We'll post up on Twitter. Yeah, it's going to be exciting last few weeks now. The PJ mm-hmm. Torque season kicking off and the European Tour Finals and Kyle Carlson's going to be in that as well so mm. some big money events so looking ahead at this week's um, and I suppose we'll start on the European Tour because it is one that we're going to keep an eye on particularly Kevin Phelan it's the Perth International um, event um, in Australia we have Carl um, Schwartzel is the leading um, competitor at 10 to 1 Victor de Brisson, Danny Willett uh, Jason I don't watch any of the Ryder Cup Duffner <laughs> Jeff Ogilvie, uh, Eduardo Monolari, and uh, kind of then you kind of move into the, the, the next tier. Kevin Phelan is at 80 to 1, just in relation to, to a bit of our own interest. Are 
anybody going to see any of this? It's going to be late into the night, early morning, isn't it? Again, being Might Australia, catch, catch the end of it in the morning, maybe when we uh, wake up, just as they're finishing their rounds. But it's it's tough to watch. It's tough to get any live golf anyway, unless you've got an insomnia or a newborn baby that wakes you up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I think this is the thing is this time this time of the year now you kind of get up. To, you actually almost arrive into work and then check the scores of the event. It's kind of yeah. a bit strange from now on to pretty much probably February March. You know, this is where the European Tour highlight shows actually, which are very good, come into play. If you really need your golf fix for the week, they, they do like a one one hour highlights show each day. So this is a nice golf course. Uh, I was looking at it. It's a tree lined par seventy one. It's 7,143 yards. It's not going to play that long for these guys. It's going to be dry down there in Australia and quite warm as well. Accuracy off the tee is going to be very important this week. So um, if anyone's having a bet, definitely keep that in mind. You don't want to big slashers. Do you know who I like, um, actually, and he's coming back into a bit of form, and he, he would be quite straight, is Mark Foster. Uh, he's 50-1 to 1 with uh, Paddy Power. He might get better elsewhere, but he's at an 11th and a 4th in his last two events, and he's the kind of guy, he's not hugely long, but he's quite accurate off the tee, so I think he must have found something, so um, he's a guy who I kind of fancy, I think he might he might go well. You know? Nice little call, yeah. Just for our Irish listeners, um, we touched on a feeling needs a 4th, Gareth Mabin needs a 7th place, yeah, top 7 uh, to get his card, and... Peter Laurie, who came here last year needing a top 20 and got an 18th, he actually, unfortunately, just needs a win. Yeah, so, he's way, way yeah. down. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm sure if he wins, he gets more than the card for next year. He gets his two-year two year Yeah, exactly. And look, for any of them that don't make it, it's all is not lost. If they finish in the top 145, I think 111 to 145 in the race to Dubai, they do get through to the final stage of tour school which is currently ongoing. The second stage will be in Spain in a couple of weeks' time from November 7th to the 10th. And then the final qualifying stage is in the PGA Catalonia Resort on from the 15th to the 20th of November. And the top 25 and ties from that get a European Tour card for the next season. It's not a, it's not a full card. It's not as good as if you were in the top 110 this year, but... It's a, it's it's pretty damn good anyway. Yeah, but I think I remember didn't Gary Murphy in our interview earlier on this year said that Peter Lowry even finishing 110th, it was a pretty poor card. Like it's great to have a card, but it was a pretty poor card. You're right down the bottom of the priority list in terms of getting into events. You're kind of low in the dibs, kind of. Yeah. I want to play yeah. that event. Yeah. Those things like things like um, some of the bigger events that it can be hard for them to get into. Mm. Um, like I don't know whether he played Wentworth or not, but it can be very hard for some of the guys. So even think, oh great, I have a card, doesn't guarantee you into into certain events. But you're really talking just that level above the challenge yeah. challenge yeah. tour yeah. competition, yeah. hitting yeah. those second rate European tour events, and a lot of I'm the sure Hong Kong Open. I'm sure there's, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. but I'm sure there's a lot of going to events and being on standby like being in that six or seven player yeah. waiting list hoping yeah. not kind of hoping somebody gets injured but you know that's your yeah. chance for the week kind of in a way you're, you're mm. you are kind of hoping somebody gets injured so you get a chance to play but look I mean hopefully the lads go well and maybe one of them picks up a win and we'll sure we'll see how it goes well it's definitely it's make or break time it's it's a squeaky bum time as Alex Ferguson would say and um, over in the states the McGladry Classic yep. is mm-hmm. currently um the event, Mac Kuchar is 14 to 1, Webb Simpson is 14 to 1, Bill Haas 16 to 1, Chris Kirk 16 to 1, Zach Johnson 22, and Nick Watney is 25 to 1. Russell Knox, just because I'm going to back him every week until he eventually wins, is 33 to 1. Um, and then this kind of everybody else goes out from there. 
Um, Barry, did you look at the the course, and do you have any idea what we should all be looking out for? And I terms did of a player. I did indeed. Yeah. No, so this is a resort course. It's uh, which for the pros usually means it's quite easy. They can score pretty well in it. It's a par seventy. It's just five yards over seven thousand yards. In 2012, it was the easiest par 70 on tour, um, averaging under par for the entire field. So that includes the guys who missed the cut. But last year, uh, the wind got up on the Friday and kind of kicked the pros' asses a bit. But it, was, it still played you know, relatively easy for the week. Um, the weather forecast is good. It's sunny, dry temperatures in the mid-70s, which in Celsius for us is about 24 degrees Celsius. So very easy playing conditions for the guys and expect them to be hitting a lot of birdies this week. You wouldn't like those those, those weather conditions. It's cold, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bit warmer, to be honest. And there are two par fives in the course, and they have seemed to, to do well on those. It seemed quite crucial to be succeeding and you know finishing in a high position on this course in the past. So, so based on that, uh, Bobby, who are you, who are you going to use your hard-earned five euros on? If I, if I was if my collar was pinned to the wall now on this one, I'd go Webb Simpson uh, just because he's been he another live exclusive. He just rang me there earlier on today <laughs> and he said, "I hear James has been bad mouthing me again <laughs> on the podcast." So I'm gonna shove it to him and go well. So I think no, he he's played very well in this event. He's a, a seventh uh, last year, second back in 2011, and a twelfth in 2010, and he was obviously fourth last week. So I think he's a very good putter, and I think that's the thing with a resort course you need to put very well because obviously you're going to get a lot of birdie chances. Yeah. You need to make your ten to fifteen footers. I think he's from that kind of part of the states. Well, he's in Carolinas. This is in Georgia, so it's not a million miles away. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, probably anywhere in the states isn't a million miles away. Oh, thanks very much, for that, James. <laughs> yeah, it's unnecessary. Barry, are you putting any money in on this? Do you know what? I might actually have a go at one of the backingwithweb.com tour graduates. You know, because it's a birdie fest course, it's not going to be too testing on the game. I mean, Tony Finnow played very well last week. 50 to 1 with uh, Paddy Power. He's going to be able to hit a lot of three woods off the tee here, which will keep him in play. Um, so The only thing about that is it's a course where short hitters have t- generally done well because it's it's been more of a level playing field for them. Yeah, yeah. So you're likes of Brian Gay and mm-hmm. those kind of guys. I was looking at Finnow as well, but I just think he's an absolute bomber. Oh, he's a beast. The distance yeah. he hits it is fierce. But look, yeah, there's definitely a premium on shot selection and accuracy this week. Um, last year, the average driving distance for the field was 271 yards. So it's, it's certainly get the ball in play and then, you know, get your scoring irons going. And you better have a hot putter this week if you want to win. Mm-hmm. Which means that uh, 100 to 1 for Carrington looks really, really short. <laughs> like, that's uh, with his putting, I wouldn't be backing him at 100 to 1. Oh, oh, poor, 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 poor. Yeah, yeah. One good round followed by some. You made the cut last week, but missed he, the secondary yeah. push to get through to Sunday. So small signs of recovery, but you know he really needs. A, uh, anyway, who, who knows what who knows who knows what Port needs at this stage? But he has our support no matter what he does. But but not probably this week is going to be the breakthrough. So look, that's that's pretty much it. That's the events for next week. Our look back on last week, and um, that just leads me to say thank you very much to Barry. Thank you very much to Bobby. Cheers, James. And um, thank you for the <coughs> listeners for listening for downloading us. We'd ask that if you haven't told your friends about us and you like the show please do get onto iTunes and give us a um, five star rating if, if, if we can be so cheeky as to ask for it um, and other than that we'll uh, talk to you again this time next week thanks a million bye bye well you're fine bye bye